0: Topic where we stick to one topic. My name is Autumn Fisher, uh, and there's no Greg today. You already knew that because um, I posted on our Facebook page <laughs> where I never post, um, and I went into the two plus two equals four Facebook group and asked if you guys had any questions because Greg is not going to be here today. I think he's traveling today back from Florida, his like sort of annual fishing trip with his. Daddy. So um yeah, it just wasn't he wasn't sure if he could make it in time and there's no reason to stress over it. So um I just thought this would be a fun way to uh do an episode. So yeah, I think I just want to jump right in. Um I got a ton of really great questions. So I couldn't do them all obviously, uh unless I wanted to make the show like super duper long. But I just feel really grateful that so many people did ask questions because I was really afraid that I would be like, all right, open up the gates, like, let your questions flow, flood in, you know, and then there'd be like five people and nobody cared. But I actually got a lot. So I think that was really cool. Um, I, um, I did take a lot of the questions and I put them in this little notepad. So I have read them, but I decided to, um, I didn't want to come up with, answers ahead of time i wanted to just kind of come up with them off the cuff. so um yeah so i'm just gonna start uh with our first question from Paige. i'm not gonna say everybody's whole name because i'm not even sure if some people wanted to be anonymous or not but yeah i'm gonna start with Paige. uh she's our super fan she's really great love her uh what would your current age self tell your 20 something self i don't know if men would feel the same way But I would just definitely tell my 20-something self to uh, don't hide your bod. Like, I think we, a certain uh, number of us that grew up in the 90s, you know, we had some pretty fucked up um, examples of what bodies should look like because of that sort of uh, heroin-chic 90s aesthetic. Um, And I think... We all sort of <laughs> inherited some pretty weird thoughts about our own body in a really critical time when our body is changing, and it, it's weird. So I think I would go, tell my 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 past self to uh, appreciate your body as you know your your vessel and the the house you live in instead of something that needs to look a certain way uh and also to be like yo your body's so awesome right now and this is like the best your body's gonna be so also enjoy it (laughs) while you got it um I guess that was a pretty superficial (laughs) response um yeah I don't think you could tell without breaking like the space-time continuum (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to like not make certain decisions, I wouldn't tell my my past self that. You have to go through those things to be able to learn. You know, I don't know. Anyway, let's start with Jeff. What's your favorite voice or character to do? Um, I love, I love being old women. I think th- those are my favorite. Um, including Nancy Pelosi. Like I just like being sassy. I just it's a real easy voice to do. And sometimes if I run out of things to say, I really can just make up nonsense. I don't always do that, but, uh, it is kind of a nice little, um, trick that I can do. Um, and I love Mrs. Freshly. God, I miss her so much. I just, I love old people thoughts and stuff that they say and like ramblings and things. Um... So, yeah, I think that the old characters are my favorite. All <laughs> um, uh, right. This is a really juicy one. Um, Jonathan asks uh, that he wants to hear the Belinda story in relation to my family. Now, you know, Eric is a very cautious dude. Um, he doesn't always um, trust me to be able to handle um a delicate topic uh, which is silly because I definitely can handle something like that. Um, there was a, um, back in 96, there was a, my grandmother, we moved her, not we, I was young, you know, but my family moved her uh, down to Georgia from right around the corner in Bowie. Um, and she was having dementia. And uh, so we moved her to a neighborhood that was like very close, right across the street from my parents' neighborhood and, you know, like two miles away from another relative and a mile and a half from another. So we were, it was like the, the, my aunts and uncles and her children sort of wanted to bring her closer to family. So, uh, they did that. Um, but I think she got pretty confused and she got in her car and she drove, she drove, she drove away. And she was missing for a really long time. It was, uh, unfortunately, it was during the Olympics. So, you know, normally that kind of thing may be covered more on the news, but because it was in Atlanta and uh, we lived in a suburb, we lived in Lawrenceville, so and that's where she lived too. So it was a suburb of Atlanta. Um, The news, the local news wasn't really covering it. I think it was like the last story at the end of the night. One point. Um, So, you know, we, as you can imagine, a lot of my family members were pretty desperate. All of my aunt and uncles, aunts and uncles came down to help search, you know, and my family spread out across Georgia (laughs) just looking for her. Um, And because they were so frustrated that the local news wouldn't cover. Our grandma, my grandmother being missing and their mother being missing for weeks, you know, um, because of the Olympics. So I think my mom called into the radio station and I think it was during the morning show in which this person worked. And, uh, you know, my mom asked them for help. And she was just very flippant and very rude and um, said that, you know, we can't report on every missing dog and comparing uh, a human being, a missing woman (laughs) with an animal, which was just incredibly rude. Um, And I believe that if I ever spoke with her, like, if it ever had to come up and I would tell her, talk to her about that, I'm sure it would be something that she doesn't even remember and she would apologize for. And, you know, how people do um, when you say something and, you know, you don't even realize that you've said it or I don't know. I, I don't think that she's a bad person, <laughs> but um, just that has always left a pretty bitter taste in my mouth about the whole thing. So... Um, and her commercials could use some editing. Okay. All right. Let's go to Michael. He says, aside from Abbey Road, what's your favorite Beatles album? And then he says, justify your answer. Well, listen up, dude. I don't have to justify shit. My favorite Beatles album is Abbey Road. I know it's like kind of trite, but you can't, you can't beat that that side B. God, you just can't. If Abbey Road was just side B, I'd be fine with that. but I also really love the White Album. Um, The White Album is full of songs that could be cut. (laughs) I think it'd be difficult. I think instead of it being like a two CD, uh, I'm sorry, that's so millennial of me, Um, a two disc album, I think it could probably be like one and a half discs or like maybe three sides instead of four. You know, just put... I don't know. Just make the whole B side of album two like that revolution number no. nine or something. And just play it on loop and just confuse the shit out of people. Um, but yeah, I think those those are my favorite. White album is really fun uh, because it has such a variety of different things, and so it really keeps you guessing and it's different and weird. Um, and then Abbey Road, especially side B, is just so gorgeous. And and strung together in such a great way. So uh, Joe says,, uh, how do you just come up with what your characters are going to say on the spot? Do you practice them when you're off air and think about things they'd say? It's amazing what you and Tim do. Well, yes, Joe, thank you so much. I do not really think that much about what characters are gonna say ahead of time. Uh, sometimes if I'm not so familiar, then I will, you know, look them up and get an idea. But, I mean, some characters are just so easy to figure out. Like, when we were doing Grimes, <clears throat> she has such an easy touchstone, which is just her lift, you know. And then I just read a quote of hers where she talked about, like, she just wants to know. I don't even remember now what it was, but it was something about, like, Japanese people. <laughs> it was like, she was just such an odd oddity, space woman, alien being. So you just kind of say anything you want, you know? You just come up with anything. And I think um, it really does kind of feel like you're channeling something sometimes. Especially when Tim and I get to do it together. He really brings up some good things. And I hope that I bring up some good things for him too. You know, when we're doing a character back and forth or like having two characters talk to each other. It makes it really easy when you have a partner like that. So... Um, Paula, hi Paula, we love you. Um, my kiddo Jace, hi Jace, loves doing voices. What advice would you give to him to help him further his talent? (laughs) Um, Peter, my son Pete, you know, he is also pretty good at voices and sometimes we just talk together in voices. You know, so we just kind of like improv like we do on the show back and forth. And I think just giving him that, will either, I don't know, help him either just have something in his pocket to always have to sort of make friends or impress someone. (laughs) Not like you have to impress people, but, you know, like fun ways of interacting with people or, you know, that's always a cool thing to have. Either that or maybe he could get into something in the future that has to do with using his voice, um... There's so many things nowadays, you know, with like getting into narrating audiobooks or, you know, voiceover has changed so much. Um, It used to be this really sort of closed society that was really difficult to get in unless you were already an established celebrity, then it was very easy. And that's still the case in some ways, but there are so many um, different ways to sort of use your voice and sell your voice that, you know, he could use that in some way when he got older, or he could just like be the, the guy who can do a really good impression of, you know, his coworker. And then the secretary that works there falls in love with him. That was really reductionist of me to say that the secretary was a woman or to even say that Jace likes women. I don't know what Jace is going to do. You know, Godspeed, Jace. Love you. All right, Mike, Mike, My call. (laughs) Please share your favorite story or memory from being a TRG intern. Okay. So this is not my favorite memory, but this is one that sticks out the most. (sighs) When I found out that the Wiffle Ball Bat Challenge was real. And I saw it firsthand. I was shocked. And I thought, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And if you don't know what the Wiffle Ball Bat Challenge is, man, (laughs) early 2000s radio was insane. And it must have been crazier before that, like late 90s. Jesus Christ. Okay, so, you know, a woman would volunteer to be this person, come into the radio station and compete to, like, stick a wiffle ball bat up their vijudy dune. Which, why? And ew. Why and ew. And you know what? This isn't like after a couple drinks and you're feeling, you know, you've letting your inhibitions down and you're, like, doing a wild thing. This is at, like, 7 a.m. It was shocking to see. Also, some of the stripper stuff that I saw in studio, not with Eric, because Eric is true to his word about him never being a creep. But there was someone else on the show who was a bit of a creep. And uh, yeah, I saw some things there which were pretty shocking. (laughs) And I think we've touched on that if you're an old fan of all of the iterations of the doctrine, like back in the basement days and things that we talked about. I think uh, Greg saw some stuff. Go down. Anyway, so yeah, being a TRG intern was nuts. It was also really great. It was like the, the, the salad days of Greg being like super like extra weird. Like he's, he's still weird, but now his sort of energy has turned more inward. And back then he was a little bit more volatile, which was a blast. You know, he was fun. And he was explosive, but like in a fun firecracker way where it wasn't that like it was hardly ever very dangerous, like a firecracker. Like if you hold on to it too hard, it could blow off a thumb. But I just was never holding on to him that tight. You know, we were friends. and So I just got to like enjoy the firecracker. Uh, It was a blast back then, man. All right. um, Let's see. You never were able to discuss your opinions on the Roe versus Wade decision. I mean, if you have been listening to the show, you know where I stand. I am pro-choice. I am... I don't love abortions. (laughs) I don't think abortions should be... I don't think having an abortion should be a flippant conversation or thought. I don't think it is a whole lot of times. And if it is, then, you know, that's a very small percentage of women because I feel most women, that's not something that they want to happen. It's not something that they're just like, oh, well, I'll just get an abortion. It's no big deal. Like it is a big deal. Um, nobody wants that. When I say nobody, I mean like typically nobody wants that. But my biggest point, like if you, if you pull way out of the smaller arguments, you know, where it's like, what if the 10 year old was raped and then there was an incest and then they got pregnant and then we're going to make them have the baby and then blah, blah, blah. all of these weird little doodads of like, when does life begin? The point, the real point for me is that if I live in a certain place, I'm going to have less rights than a man. I'm going to have less body autonomy. Than a man. For anybody to think that that makes sense, I feel like it's just wrong. Along with so many men sort of making these decisions or even considering or or, or even coming forward like my opinion is very important. You do not understand. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You do not. As a man, you do not understand what it is to go through a pregnancy to either lose that baby, whether it's because of a chosen abortion be either or uh, um, a spontaneous abortion, which is, you know, when your body uh rejects the embryo or whatever because of you know birth defects or whatever it's decided you know decided like nope this is not viable whether it's that whether it's late in the pregnancy and something happens to the baby where they fucking die to be expected to carry the rest of that pregnancy until oh my god like for a man i really don't this isn't this isn't to put down a man I just honestly don't think that they have the same understanding, the deep understanding of what that feels like. And for men to be involved in this decision-making outside of the medical profession feels irresponsible to me and is very upsetting just to me personally because I've always felt like, very optimistic about the world. And just lately, I just continue to be disappointed by the world, uh, which is very disappointing overall. And it makes me sad. Like, I think that that's the worst thing for me so far about being 40 is the surprise I feel in the world. And maybe that is just because I'm starting to look at myself more honestly. Um, I'm starting to look at the world more honestly. And maybe if I had done that initially, I would feel more like, well, this is just the way things go. <laughs> but no, this for me, this is, it. I guess it was naive. But yeah, I'm, I'm starting to, I feel, I feel slapped in the face by all of this. You know, and then just finding out little things about just the medical field and the way that women are treated versus the way men are treated, um, the way that women are expected to endure physical pain when some as far as like a medical standpoint, men are not, you know, it's like, oh, man, do you, you need to be uh, sedated for this. You know, because we're giving you an ultrasound on your testicles. Oh, no. It's like women are getting chunks out of their cervix. And they're just like, hold on. You know, we're almost done. And the woman's like fainting. I think I might have talked about that on the show. But it's just shit like that, you know. And I'm not saying that men don't also have it hard. I mean, there's a a lot of pressure put on men, you know, to be tough and... To suppress their feelings because if not, you know, then they're pussies or they're like beta males if they have feelings or they're faking it just to get pussy, you know, like be by being sensitive. It's like well, maybe they're sensitive, you know, so I'm not saying that men don't, you know, have it um, bad in other parts of their life, but... Okay, legally, this is some bullshit when it comes to women's rights. And, uh, you know, I really do respect the people that feel like life begins at conception. You are totally allowed to have that that opinion. I am totally allowed to not totally agree with you. <laughs> um, but when it comes to making choices about what's right for my future or my health. I think uh, you people should stay out of that business. And I understand it's hard to hear because if you really think that it's a little baby in there when they're like 16 cells, if you think that and someone decides, well, I don't want to be a mother right now, then for that person, it really is like killing a baby. And that must feel very difficult. But guess fucking what? What? Do you want kids to grow up in a family that was not prepared for them? Talk about crime statistics and prison populations and not just that, but just victimizations and uh, violence and poverty. Because the people that are supposed to raise this baby that at this moment is only 16 cells or what the fuck ever it is. They're not ready. Or they just don't want to. You know what I mean? Like that's not a world to bring a child into. And yes, there are plenty of people that will adopt the baby. But guess what? Sometimes if your baby this is this is real. You know, sometimes if you have if 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 you get pregnant and Let's say, you know, you're kind of you, you, you don't want to have an abortion because you don't believe in abortion. And but then you want to you don't want to be a parent yet. So you want to give it for adoption. Let's say the baby is of mixed race. That baby is more difficult to get adopted. And that's statistically that's true. That's not an opinion. That's fact. And uh, if if that is your situation, what happens? You give up the baby, they go into, like, the system, and the system is so fucking corrupt and horrible. These people, oh, my God. Okay. I'm just saying, <laughs> let's, let's let people who are ready to have babies have the babies. And let's not force people to do shit that affects other people's lives. Let's give them that choice. Okay. <sighs> Gosh, uh, Jerry, Jerry, uh, Fooksy, he has two questions. If you could do anything career wise, what would you do? And two, uh, what voice do you wish EVH would let you do? But he won't. (laughs) Well, he doesn't let me do, um, he doesn't, we don't get to do Mrs. Freshly very often anymore, which is sad. Um, I don't get to do Jared's dad. I don't get to do too many, like, ethnic voices. I think the climate has changed on that kind of thing. My personal opinion is almost like South Park, you know, where they do a lot of pretty (laughs) intensely stereotypical voices, like the, you know, the sweet shout paw guy, whatever. Oh, shitty walk guy. And even the other guy like, oh no, Kyle, I'm shitting out over my asshole. <laughs> I um person okay, my personal opinion is um I don't think that it's racist unless I'm saying something shitty about that person, or I'm making fun of that person because they're from that place. So if we take something super stereotypical, if I'm, like, pretending to be Chinese or something, and or even, like, if I'm pre- if I'm pretending to be Jared's dad, right, and I'm doing, like, Jared the Yamamoto, if I'm saying, like, I'm Jared's dad and I can't drive, you know what I mean? I'm doing some stupid stereotype, then I think that's stupid and racist. But if I'm just... If the joke is really on Jared, then I think it's okay, you know, but people nowadays, you know, even if I was doing like Cardi B, I don't think I'm allowed to do anymore because I think she's just like she just has a very specific sound and it's like very black and maybe it's uh, it feels it feels racist. So I don't mean it to be racist. I am. I'm sure that, I mean, listen, we all have prejudicial thoughts, you know, and and anytime I feel that way or think that way, I do stop and be like, whoa, why did I think that? Where is this coming from? You know, um, I question myself all the time about thoughts I have and whatever. I think that's what we should all do. And we should all admit it also, because if we all admit it, then we can all be like, oh, yeah, look, we're all the same. We all think this way. So, yeah, I don't I personally don't think it's a bad thing to do those types of voices. But whatever, whatever world we got to live in the world we're in, you know, and if people think that that's bad, then I respectfully disagree. But who's going to win in that situation? Not fucking me. I'm going to lose my job. So I'm not going to do that anymore. Uh, you know, I think somebody else asked something similar. Oh, Mickey said, have the radio suit censored some of the characters that you and Tim do? Maybe they just run their course, but it seems like there aren't quite as many that might be considered edgy. And that is the truth. Ding, ding, ding. OK, not the part about the suits. The suits have said nothing. <laughs> I think it really is just Eric, you know, um, he says that he's been burned a bunch of times from his past, you know, radio partner who has gotten him fired a couple times. So, yeah, I can understand his trepidation there. He also lately has uh, felt very tight, tightly gripped to the show. And I think that has something to do with him feeling a little bit out of control of the show, especially like the video element. I know if you're listening to The Doctrine, there was um, a very big dream when it came to the video portion of the show, which was in its infancy. And we were, you know, ironing things out and figuring things out. And then all of a sudden the radio station took it over And it's not what Eric hoped it would be. And then he also feels very out of the loop when it comes to stuff like they're making decisions that aren't being run by him, which I think makes him again. I think it makes him feel out of control. So I think lately with the show, he's been feeling um, a little less able to have the room to have more freedom and to be a little bit more edgy which, you know, the show ebbs and flows. And it's true that, you know, some some characters do run their course. But uh, I think that Eric's gotten a little nervous, you know, and like I said, just not not as not as um, able to open her up (laughs) like we used to. But bitch, I'm ready. I mean, me and Tim, I, I can I always I always think of Tim as my grossest friend. So like, I can always send him the grossest thing or he can send me something really gross and I'll think it's gross, but I love it, you know? And especially when we were on Radio Labyrinth together, we got to be so gross together. God, that was so much fun. Let's see. Do you ever find it difficult to hold your opinion if you disagree with Eric about something? And how often does that happen? Baby, it happens all the time. I'm usually pretty fine with just sitting back and disagreeing because Sometimes I don't feel very confident arguing with him because he corners you in these weird ways of like, name the scientist that said that. It's like, bitch, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. You know, it's like not really a conversation where I can learn. I mean, if we were in person, if we were sitting at the bar and we were talking over beers, that's different. You know, he doesn't corner you like that. But on the show, maybe in a way for him, he feels challenged by if I disagreed, um, which is not what I would mean to do. But he may take it. that I don't know. Who knows? I don't know what he thinks. It's fine. But I'm just saying. So what I try to do is just I just try and sit back. But the Roe versus Wade thing, that's why I was in such like a pretty shitty mood was because I really did feel think a lot of things. I had a lot of questions. I had a lot of feelings. And I, it took, it took and is taking time to sort of get through those things. And I am upset about the state of the Roe versus Wade decision. Yeah. When I, when it's brought up and he's saying something and it's very difficult to sit back. So sometimes during those times, just to keep my mind not focused on the things I can't do or say sometimes I'll play a little Tetris <laughs> sometimes I have a separate window open on my laptop screen and I just just play a little Tetris because it doesn't take a lot of concentration you know it's just like flipping flopping pieces around so that if I did need to jump in if if like he called to me quickly and was like Autumn what does Nancy Pelosi think then I can just quick you know I'm not totally zoned out but it just <laughs> it's, maybe it's a little like soothing too like a little zen <sighs> so yeah, sometimes that is what's happening. All right. So Bill asked, from your post about Greg not being available, Oh, which is why we're talking, how do you constantly put up with EVH bringing up your sex life? It has to get tiring. I'm tired of hearing it. Love the show and really enjoy you. Your input and all your characters and impressions. Thanks, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think for a while, Greg was that focus because... He was still single, well, single-ish. You know, he wasn't really single, I guess. He was dating that person. But he was the closest we all got to single um, because we were all married. And, you know, he still had a little bit more of a freer lifestyle, I guess. So he was sort of the focus on stuff like that. And now that I sort of fit that role, you know, he's, you know, Greg's living with somebody and I'm single as fuck, so... I think that um, he has really turned his sights (laughs) on me. And listen, you got to fill a lot of time. We got to fill the time. And sometimes my life is content. Um, Especially uh, previously, I was really using a lot of things in my life as just content. We would talk about it. And sometimes that was really difficult because I would be made fun of or we would talk about things. And these things were actually very personal and not really that fun for me to be made fun of for. So I'm sort of re- just recently deciding to maybe filter or procure. No, procure? No. Um, yeah, just filter, filter some of those things and only let through the things that I'm comfortable with. Whereas before, I really was just letting it fly, you know, because I wanted. I was like, content, this this is something, talk about it, content. (laughs) But now I'm realizing that doing that uh, makes me vulnerable and maybe I don't always feel so safe to be vulnerable because sometimes I am made fun of or uh, talked about online. People think that like, that's my whole life was like, I'm just like a, a, a slut (laughs) Or like when Eric says, like, I was 17 and I was dating a 36-year-old. <laughs> he was 19. I was 17. It's not that crazy. Um, I moved. He's like, you moved in with him when you were 16, which is not true. I moved out when I was 18 years old. <laughs> uh, relax. But, you know, when he says that, if you're a casual listener, then you just think that's true. And then you hear stuff about me being a slut and, like, leaving my husband for just, quote, no good reason. It's like all those things make me incredibly vulnerable, especially when it comes to online, you know, people can be really vicious. And thankfully no one has been extremely vicious, ooh, except that one fucking caller. Fuck that guy, by the way. If if any of you are that guy, you can go jump off a goddamn cliff. And maybe just break both legs. I don't really want you to die. It seems pretty rough. But maybe like yeah, break both femurs and have like difficulty in the winter forever because you got cold bones now that ache because you broke your two legs from jumping off that cliff because I forced you to because you were a dickhead. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? <laughs> uh, there was a, a vo- uh, um, what's that called? The um, open mic. There was an open mic that someone called and just was very cruel. And I was shocked. And then Eric said that there was a little kernel of truth to what he was saying. And that, destroyed me that day. I don't think Eric knew how much that hurt. And honestly, from that point, that's when I really decided, like, I can't be this vulnerable anymore. I can't um, trust. I can't trust the world with my (laughs) true open self. I feel like I can trust you guys. I feel like our show is a bit more intimate. And uh, I think there are times that I've shown you guys in the past um, some true vulnerability with me and Greg and all of that, that we went through. And honestly, you know, I do feel bad for what Greg and I went through and my part and all of that, but gosh, it was such a great learning experience. And just to know Greg really taught me not on purpose, <laughs> but he just really taught me that I can, show him all kinds of emotions that are, you know, not fun emotions, like angry, very angry, frustrated, all those things. And I can express those to him and I can yell at him, you know, when I'm upset. And uh which is something I've never ever done with anyone. I've never yelled at the person I'm arguing with. And he really was the first person and I guess it's because I felt comfortable enough to do it and he I don't know what he did. I guess we just we, we kept going like we kept being friends. We kept our relationship and whatever it was, you know, like I, I was saying before about that previous question where, you know, what would you go back and tell your, your your past self? I wouldn't really I don't know if I would tell her to do anything different because you have to go through it. Like I remember when I was teaching English as a second language People would complain about it being difficult. And I would give them an analogy about if you want to build muscle, you don't lift pencils because it's not going to do anything for you. You have to do something that's difficult in order to see a result, to gain something. So I had to go through what I've been through, which is, come on, it's not not like what so many people have been through, but We all have to learn something from the things we go through and you have to go through them in order to learn something. So, yeah, I feel really grateful to Greg, you know, for being there in the beginning for so much fun. And like I said, volatility (laughs) and like wildness, but also really silly and fun. And then it got just like a deep rooted friendship. And then we uh, had more than that. He was really there for me in a lot of ways. And then things were very bad, but really they were so bad. It was like, it really was a benefit. It was really a good thing that it was bad because that was the way that I was able to learn that I can be other things than just always in control of my emotions or my thoughts or my actions. I can be out of control with those things. And that's a human being. And the other person is, you know, can take that. Man. It's hard doing this by yourself. I constantly am feeling like this isn't interesting. or Oh, I think that's interesting. Okay. All right. We'll do one more question. Have you ever done or thought of doing stand-up? Nope. And nope. (laughs) No, I'm good with others. I need... That's why I liked improv so much, even though it has, like, a real reputation for, like, I don't know, theater geeks or something. Doesn't it? I don't know. It's just, like, it can be really cringy and stupid, but... I, uh, I'm, I really enjoy working with others. So like this podcast has been difficult because yeah, I'm by myself and I, uh, in the middle of things, I start to think, man, this is like, (laughs) this is some, this is very Greg where it's like, I start to think, who do you think you are talking like this? Nobody, who do you think you are? Like some big Hollywood celebrity doing an interview? (laughs) No, but honestly, um, I do want to thank everybody because, you know, as, as much as we get emails, from people who say that the show has helped them not feel alone or has helped them sort of see themselves a little bit differently, or, you know, whatever people may say, or maybe they just enjoy it. It really has helped me. Uh, this is another uh, creative outlet for me where I get to, like I said before, I get to be a little uh, more vulnerable and honest and you know, work through some things that (laughs) it's not therapy, but sometimes, you know, it's just nice sometimes to, to be able to talk with Greg, who is also very emotionally intelligent and is able to not just skim the surface of something where, you know, you hear a story and you think that doesn't make any sense at all. Whereas like Greg and I may think, well, the reason for that might be something more deep and it's kind of interesting to delve into that kind of thing. Or, you know, like we talked about our episode where we were stealing and it's like we don't just talk about that we were stealing. We talk about, like, I wonder why we're stealing and what's going on and why do we make these decisions and stuff like that. It really, did, this this show has really helped me grow as a person and become more of an honest person and, you know, have something else for me to hang my hat on when it comes to who I am so yeah I appreciate it so I'm really glad you guys are here thank you so much and gosh I think that's it thank you so much for listening guys honestly I hope you've enjoyed this Q&A maybe it'll be something we do every year if this is successful and if not then autumn shut up you're not special okay or maybe next year Greg will do it that'd be interesting Thank you so much. Please support our sponsor, Hoffandpepper.com. You can get 50% off some deliciously homemade, (laughs) some delicious locally made in Chattanooga hot sauce. Use our code 1TOPIC15 for 15% off. Hoffandpepper.com. Baby is finally asleep next to me. He's been a real pain in the ass. I'm looking into getting training for him because I don't speak dog. I'm not the person who is a dog person. I mean, I'm a dog person, but I'm saying like, I don't know, you know, like some people just know dogs. Anyway, this is the end of the show, not the beginning of the show. Okay. Love you. Like, and subscribe, rate, and review. Bye.